So, uh, so the name of my sermon is Marvelous Light. You guys have heard that before. I haven't been talking to, talking to one of my brothers, and he, we were praying, and he mentioned that scripture. And I said, it's fitting because I was doing a study on light and um, just what all it means. I don't want to say his name because he, 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 he might not appreciate it. <laughs> no. But anyway, uh, I'll say it later. So, uh, so marvelous light. So we're going to come in First uh, John 1, 1 through 4 for now. And I usually use the English Standard Version, but, you know, if you guys want, read whatever version you like, and then, uh, then we'll be good. So, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So from the beginning, this is John speaking, Jesus' beloved disciple, apostle, disciple at one point, yeah. Um, And he's saying, you know, similar to the opening passages of Genesis and the gospel of John, John starts out with a clear connection between Jesus and God, the Father, that Jesus began all things. Jesus was there and was one with God, and Jesus is the word of God. Bless the Lord. Then John goes on to... um, uh, refer to the idea of Jesus' coming to earth in the flesh and blood as a man, the critical part of the gospel that so many people reject and just kind of turn away from. You know, it's kind of like we can believe Jesus and believe his um, principles and traditions and things, but him being God in the flesh is not, you know, that, you know a lot of people don't buy that. And then, uh, like John, what they had heard about but didn't fully understand until Jesus broke it down to them, we also heard, and we have an understanding behind their explanation of their own understanding. We also have their eyewitness accounts. So we have twice as much. In other words, before John and the disciples realized that these prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament were being fulfilled right there in their presence, right? They had heard about this. There's many scriptures that pointed to Jesus, right? And so then they get to be with Jesus, see, feel, and touch him and everything. And then we get not only their account, but the account that they got before they met Jesus, right? So we we get get two. We get double. All right. So the people before Jesus didn't get to see, feel, and touch him. And we're after Jesus. We didn't get to see Phil and touch them, touch him. But these guys in the middle, we'll just put them in the middle somewhere, right? They got to hang with him and see him, Phil and touch him. Bless the Lord. Um, so now John 1, 5 through 7 says, this is the message we have heard 
from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And I like that scripture. I like all the scriptures, except for the ones that I might get in trouble or something. You know, I like them too, but, you know, I kind of would, you know. So, but they keep me, you know, in line. I didn't have a father. I had a father, but I, he didn't play a father role, right? So, um, I didn't know, and of course, we don't want discipline growing up because we want to be free to do what we do. But then we realized later on that discipline would have been good had we had it. And God doesn't, he doesn't neglect disciplining us because he loves us. And so, yeah, we can appreciate God for that and not just blame him for all the bad things, but just realize he's trying to keep us. When he says, don't do this, it's for our good, right? So, um... Um, I had this analogy years ago. I'm sure I probably shared it with you guys. I'm not sure, but I think I did. Um, Of sitting on the back porch in the country, you know, you know, with whittling or whatever you're doing out there, you know, in the evening when the it's getting dark and you got the one porch light going on and you got all these bugs flying around it. Right? Yeah. All various kinds of bugs that wouldn't have anything to do with each other unless it was for this light bulb. Right? They're all circulating around the light bulb. And that's how it is with all of us. We're all messed up, toe up people. Okay? Right? But we have significance because every one of those bugs has significance. God made it for a purpose. Right? And they're they're getting along around this light bulb, right? And that's like us. We should be one common denominator, the light bulb, and we all come together, right? And then we can see what's right and what's good. We can see the things that we otherwise can't see, right? So um, anyway, I thought I'd share that. So um, God's truth is presented as light, while false teachings are presented as darkness, Those who hold to the truth are saved from sin. Those who claim to have no sin are self-deceived. So there's a movement, and I don't want to offend anyone, but this movement is like, no, because God said I was was free, you know, or what is the the, the common saying that, you know, that um, I'm not tied to the law, right? And so therefore... I'm free of the law and I have this liberty and he's called me holy, sanctified, set apart, a royal priesthood. All of these things, these names that he's given me, pronouns and so forth, that I don't sin. I have no sin, right? If you get into an argument with one of these guys, they'll tell you, well, no, I sin, but it's not counted. And I'd agree. But if you sin, then... The active word for sin is sinner or sinning, and you're a sinner actively sinning, so you need God, right? If you don't have any sin, you don't need God. Bottom line, okay, if you don't have a sin problem, 
you, you're like the Messiah, okay? And it, right, right. We have sin problems. The problem is we don't tend to look. <laughs> That's the last thing we look at is ourselves. You know, we, the introspection is not necessarily on the plan today. I'm not trying to look at me today. I want to look at you and then see what you're doing. Yeah, and, and, and point, point out to you and all this kind of sort of stuff. So it's not, and it's easy to do. I'm, I'm honest to goodness. Look, don't just shake your heads with me. Ask yourself, do I do that? There's no one in here that doesn't. We will look beyond ourselves and look at the issues that someone else is having and then we'll judge it, you know, and we'll come to a conclusion and it's all about what they did, what they should have done or what they're doing. And all of this is independent of this father that we have that really wants to speak into our attitudes. Put your face in the mirror and look at yourself. And his word is a mirror. Okay, when we look in his word, we see ourselves. And James says that once we see ourselves, we're like a people that looked in the mirror and then ran away and forgot what they look like. Okay, we need to see and keep a mirror in front of us at all times to see what we look like. We're not helping anybody pointing out their stuff. They're going to point back to your stuff, right? They, even if they don't say it, they're pointing back to your stuff. See, I know something you don't know about you. <laughs> right? Okay, so um, what we want to do is we want to dispel that. We need the Lord. We need discipline. We need discipleship. We need to be taught, trained. We need to minister to each other, fellowship with each other, so that we can grow together and understand each other where we are and where we're going. Because God is, he's in all, he encompasses time. So when he says something good about me that sounds like I'm a finished product, that's because he's there where I'm going, right? He's not graduating with me. He's watching me grow. And he knows the end result of this growth of mine. Bless the Lord. So, yeah, I can claim all the things that Jesus said, and then I can go out and shoot the neighbor. You know, I'm a good person. So, you know, I'm the righteousness of Christ. But I just couldn't put up with it. Okay? I mean... That's extreme. But when you hate someone in your heart, Jesus said it's murder. Bless the Lord. This is how Jesus equates murder, hating someone in your heart. All right? This is what he said. So I'm not just making it up. Yes, extreme to go and blow the head off. We're not trying to do that under the banner of Christ. But if we want to, or wish somebody else would do it, or that they would just die somehow, right? This thought is being read by the Lord. He reads the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Bless the Lord. I can't get enough of that because he does. So, you know, we're on display because he's light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. And we're running around here light bearers full of darkness. Okay, we're not finished. We got dark spots. 
It's like some kind of disease. He can see it, you know, standing there with spots, right? Okay, so trying to come to the Lord like, you know, I've done no wrong. And he's just looking at all your dark spots. All right. So, um, God and evil phrased in light and darkness. This message begins with the idea that God is entirely goodness and truth with no evil or falsehood. This is phrased in terms of light and darkness, common themes in the New Testament, light and darkness. Um, You wonder why people are walking in darkness. I mean, look, that's where we come from. We gravitate to the very ground, the dirt we come from, that we do dirt because we come from the dirt. And that dirt we come from was cursed. Okay, so, so it's kind of like we gravitate toward the, the dirt. This is what we do. Okay, so as far as us thinking we're a good person and, you know, we, we, we deserve heaven because we do good charitable things, we're friendly people, you know, we give, we love, you know, all of this kind of sort of stuff. That's not the, the prescription for heaven. It's not. But do good things if this is your heaven. Okay? If this is all you want, while you're watching this place decay in front of you, we're all masked up in here in service. Okay? While we're paying attention to those things, just say, well, no, this, this is all I want. I'm going to make the best of it. Or you can have an attitude like so many have had over the years that they're going to fix this place independent of Jesus. Right? They can't. It wasn't given to any one single solitary person or a conglomerate to fix this madness. Okay? The Bible has already described what's going on here. This place is going to hell in a handbasket. That's what's happening. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. Bless the Lord. Invest in your future here if you want to. Or place your future in things above that are pure, lovely, and of a good report. It sounds crazy when, if you have had someone to work in your life to encourage you to go be something, go be president, you know, and then you set off. And you soldier off. And then, look, some of the ways that you try to get where you're going are not moral. They're ungodly, non-ethical, unprofessional ways. But I need to achieve my dream. Right? God is trying to tell us, I want to use you. I want to use your life. To deliver people from this dying planet so that they can live forever with you and me in a kingdom that is beyond this place. That there's no curse. So there'll be no death or decay. There'll be no inclinations to go and do all the wrong things. There'll be no fight, no burglaries. Nobody will be breaking in your place. Right? This is the place that he has for us. Okay, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can be also. We inherit a place beyond this place. Now, I'm sorry, I can't tell you I don't go and indulge in the sinful activities of this world from time to time. 
they're getting less and less times. You know, I could, I could, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I could actually, if I wanted to try, I could actually argue that I'm doing better than you because I watch Green Acres while you watch Friends. Okay? All right. And, all right. So I watch Green Acres because that's the period I come from. Okay? <laughs> Friends is the period some of you young people come from. Right? So Friends is a little crazier to me because they're a little bit more off. They, they, look, there were people that patrolled TV when I was growing up. Right? But it depends on what I'm choosing to do and if I'm regarding my father who's trying to feed me properly. Right? It's not a matter of what you're doing. It's really not. Because you're going to need to seek your father so that he can feed you properly too, right? So we all circulate around this light, that common denominator, trying to get fed, right? Not putting each other down, but floating around with our mirrors so that we can see what we look like, okay? All right, don't forget your mirror. Don't forget to bring it, all right? Honest to goodness, this isn't rocket science. I just think what I don't want to do is give the impression here that every time you get ready to go do something, go to the concert or go to the the beach party or whatever the case may be, there's David, you know. (laughs) You know, look, don't don't go down there. You know know that's sin, you know. I'm not, not that. I'm not that bad yet, you know, who knows? But what I'm trying to say is that we regard God in our choices. We have to, because what you think is a beach party might be a bikini party that is less of a bikini than you thought, okay? And if you're, and look, it may not matter to you if you're not in the, the, the uh, family of Christ. That may not matter to you. But if you're in there, there should be a conviction, That though I'm here and I didn't know what was going to go on, I can't stay, even though I didn't know, right? I need to leave. There should be a conviction there, right? The light should come on. That light is marvelous. It will come on. It'll come on and then you'll decide. You'll decide whether I stay and feast and feed on this. Can't hurt me. I'm beyond this. I've seen all this before, right? Well, what we could be doing then in that case is fortifying a stronghold that should be being dismantled. Because I believe I can manage all this impurity, porn, whatever the case may be. If I believe I can manage that, that could be that I have a stronghold. That's why I'm showing up at the strip club every Friday, right? Because I'm I'm not like the rest of them. First of all, I know my rights. I have liberties in Christ. These are my rights, right? And I'm already um, saved and sanctified and set apart. Already. He's called me righteous. So now let me go down here and do unrighteous things that I won't be accounting for. It doesn't make sense, right? It really doesn't make sense. So what I want to do is I want to really take care in my decisions. I mean, why is that important? Well, first, if I don't realize that um, 
let's say, polluting my mind with porn, if I don't realize that that's affecting me, let me give you guys a, a little, and I wasn't even going to go into all of this, so I'm going to quickly go into it. When I used to watch porn, okay, I remember one instance, it's, things started clicking because I stayed up too late. It has that kind of habit. To, it kind of keeps you up later than you. <laughs> right. And so when I'm up really late and I had to go to work. And I remember I got up when, when it's time to go to work. I didn't have no sleep. I was burned out. I ran to the sink, put the soap suds on my hands and everything, you know, wash them because I was ready to shave and put my finger right in my eye, filled with soap suds. Now, who does that? Okay. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody does this, okay? It's not the common thing you do in the morning, right? But what was the reason? The reason why is because my brain was polluted. It was polluted, and then I took for granted that I could still operate, and I need to operate quickly. So I'm flying around trying to catch up because I'm running out of time because of where I've spent my time, and now I'm putting my eye out. Okay, I'm on the freeway in a rush, so I have no patience. So I'm cussing everybody out, right? And then at the, at the job, somebody's blaming me for something I didn't do. And somebody else is saying something I should have done. And I have all kinds of argument and excuse. And I'm telling them off and wearing them in my heart all the way to my office, Right? I'm, I'm wearing them and all this aggravation and frustration is because I fed myself the night before all night long improperly. Well, what if I stayed up watching Green Acres all night? You might say, that's not porn, right? Of course I shouldn't stay up all night because I need to be bright-eyed for this job that is paying my bills, right? But if you feed yourself something that has a... How would I say it? And, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm going to be tactful. Whatever you're doing during the climatic period is searing. It sears into your conscious. So during that period that you know what is taking place, you're writing that hard drive again. Writing and rewriting. Storing and restoring. Right? You're developing a stronghold. Right? It's different with sex, okay? And this sermon is not just about sex, but it's different with what you do with sex will have a bonding. That's why the Bible says don't join yourself to a harlot because it's joining, you're joining yourself. There's something significant about the intimacy, the conversation, all that's going on during that searing process, okay? So you don't want to play you want to pay attention to what you're doing, what you're watching, when you're watching it. And you don't just want to take for granted that I got this. I got this. Right? We don't have anything. We have Jesus. Right? We need Jesus. Bless the Lord. I swear, we need the Lord. Because he's not frowning on you any different than he's frowning on me. I mean, I might not be doing that anymore, but I'm plagued with thoughts. Okay, this is a constant battle. Because of what I feasted on all those years, I, can, I don't need a porn film, right? I can pr pr produce. I'm a producer. 
I can produce my own film in my head. All right? There's not much clapping and shouting going on because this is a touchy. <laughs> this is touchy. <laughs> this is touchy. But there's a light that's being turned on so that we can pay attention. And many of you may not have a porn issue or anything like that, but let me get straight down to what's really right. Okay? This is the nitty gritty. And when you're 62, this is what you say, the nitty gritty. That's what this is. That's what this is. The nitty gritty. All right? All right. Bless the Lord. So, um, good and evil phrased in light and darkness. The message begins with the idea that God is entirely goodness and truth with no evil or falsehood. This is phrased in terms of light and darkness. I said that. Um, What darkness isn't? Darkness is not what we typically think of, not in terms of shades of skin, right? There was a belief that the darker you are, the more closer you are to sin. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and there's a lot of mistreatment because of darker skin people versus lighter skin because the Bible is saying things that people are taking out of context. They're just going with a couple of verses, like slavery. That's how we had the African-American slave trade. How did the Bible get introduced into that? Because slavery was in the Bible. And what we have here is the light coming on, Okay. Let's turn the light on. What about the slavery? Slavery was servitude. That's what it was. Okay, so there's still, there's nothing wrong with serving others. Jesus was the worst, the what? Who was the biggest slave of all? Jesus. He came to serve and gave his life, right? The Roman uh, form of slavery would include a kidnapping and brutal mistreatment of human beings and everything, right? So um, the Jewish form of slavery was no. Your brother could be indentured to you for a period of time. After such and such a time, he's free. You don't kidnap him. You don't do all these things, right? You can't. It was against the, the, the Jewish law to do it or the Hebrews law, all right? But if you just read one verse, you're going to say, oh, I can have slaves and I can mistreat them because where am I going to get my mistreatment from? History. Okay, I'm not really in the Bible. I'm using this and I'm examining history and I'm saying this is what slavery is all about. So darkness, according to the color of your skin, doesn't make you more sinful, right? Um, atmospheric conditions, dark at night, doesn't make the night sinful. You get it? Bless the Lord. Because you wear all black today doesn't mean you're practicing witchcraft. It's a sign. (laughs) Something's maybe, you know, no, no, I'm just kidding. All black doesn't mean that. You you understand? All right. So if if you look at it literally, if you look at darkness literally, and then you equate darkness with sin, that's improper. All right? Bless the Lord. Um, uh, 
It could certainly be that a dark person or the nighttime or someone wearing dark clothes is indicative of a sinful person, but that's not the conclusion we draw, right? Okay, it could be. So a lighter skinned person in the light of day with colorful bright attire can also be the condition of a sinful or sinful person or situation, right? All right. Because you're light or you have on light clothes or it's bright day, don't think. Sin can't go on. Sin is not on that person's mind or that person is not affecting people sinfully. Right? So I'm using skin color and all this degrees of day and night and everything to point out this light versus darkness is more than what we see from the sun, moon, and stars. Right? Or if we were to enter into a cave and we think because we're in the cave, it's sinful here. Of course not. Typically, we bring the sin with us wherever it is that we go anyway. That's why ghost hunters are so, that's so retarded. Do you think that a demon or a ghost, which I believe all ghosts are demons, do you think the demon's going to wait there in the house until you fly to Florida to come and look and see if there's a demon in the house? Demons have work to do. Right? So here I come. Oh, yeah, I feel some, some vibration over there. Put the camera, put the lights over there. You, you get it? They came in with you. When you walked in, they walked in to make you think you're smart but look like a fool. Okay? You wouldn't even wait not knowing when someone's coming to a house to investigate. It doesn't make sense. And demons are smarter than that. They study us. So they flew with you to Florida. That's what happened. They sat by you and listened to what you were going to do, and they did all the things you wanted. They levitated and made furniture rise and all that. And when you left, they left with you. You brought them. Let's turn some light on. Bless the Lord. So this light and this darkness in this case is not necessarily light where I need to turn the light on, right? It's not necessarily that. I do believe that God's light is a brilliant light that causes us to be able to physically see, but that also opens up our understanding. It illuminates our understanding. It makes us be able to perceive truth and the way and the life. This is what real light does. Marvelous light, pure light, for instance, I talked about before, and I'm going to bring it up again when I get up here, if I get up here again. If you put the dull stones in front of pure light, not bouncing light, bouncing all over the place, but like a pure direct infrared, you know, pure light that's going straight at it, right? You can see that those darker stones are brighter than diamonds, Right? And these are the stones that are to encompass the new Jerusalem when it comes down from the sky. There's a big, I'll present this case to you guys the next time I get up here. But darkness and light, things that are dark, things that are light, the light of the day and all of this are not necessarily what we're talking about when we're talking about truth. And Jesus, the light of the world. 
He's light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. Bless the Lord. Um, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, and no wonder for even, so think about this. <clears throat> I don't want to mess this up. Depending on what, let's think about this. Depending on what a beautiful and enchanting angel brings to the table in the indication, as an indication, I'm sorry, of truth they hold to, or the lie they believe and present. There are two distinctly different types of angels. One is deceitful. Satan demons are angels. That's what they are. And then, um, and the other one serves God. They're messengers from God. They're not trying to deceive us. They're trying to usher in the truth. Bless the Lord. Both can be beautiful. How do I know? Because 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That means that can be a beautiful looking something or other. He, if, he, if God allows him to have the ability to disguise himself into something that you're going to find enchanting, he's going to go all the way because he wants you to buy from him bread that's going to kill you. Right? So God says, buy from me. Jesus says, buy from me bread of life. Buy from me the bread that's going to give you life. But look, if I'm going to deceive you, I'm going to look in a way or act in a way that's going to really get you to believe me. And if I have that ability, I'm going to use it. Right? So, at the same time, don't be surprised to find an angel of God looking less glamorous than we've always heard and expected. Remember Hebrews 13, 1 through 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Right? Okay. Well, you, you know, you wouldn't think. You don't think like I think. This is how I think. If an angel is trying to really make an opportunity for me to serve God by his presence, he's going to look like something non-angelic. He's not going to look like what I always imagine an angel to look like. Right? So it's hard to imagine an angel of God smelly, nasty, with sores and pus and sleeping, oozing out of his eyes, you know, ragged clothes, shoeless, dirty feet, laying on the ground and giving me a wink while I pass by, right? That, that's, that is no angel, you know, right? Right, the first thing, listen, I'm not going to buy that. I'm going to, my first instinct is, there's no way a pure and holy angel is going to look like this. But in contrast, there should be no way then that Satan could look beautiful like this. And you might think no angel would ever look like that. And it's so far from the purity of their condition. But if you would recognize it was an angel, you'd be quick to come to his rescue. If he was laying there all gold with glitter and, and you know, and wings and, and stuff like that. And you'd go, oh, let me do what I can. Right? Let me help this angel. I know if this is a real angel, there's somebody looking at my benevolence right now. You know, let, let, me, let me go over here and help this angel. Bless the Lord. You'd be quick to come to his rescue. That's why we'll be surprised to discover the attitude of our hearts in the times that God has afforded us opportunities to help poor people, 
disenfranchised people, broken people, homeless people, the one that just keeps coming around all the time, you know, they'll never go away. This time again, you know, this, you don't know why or who or what's going on there. Now, you don't want to use your own wit. You want to be prayerful because it might be an opportunity God set up. After 10 real people, he might have thrown an angel out there. Go down there, Michael. Go down there and, 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 and get, you, you don't believe that? Jesus came down here and took on the form of man. And when they got through with him, he looked a mess. Angels are lower than Jesus, right? Jesus suffered pain. So why would I think that an angel embodied in a human body wouldn't feel pain? So you come out your store and the bum is in front of your store and you kicking him, get out the way, you could be kicking an angel. I'm sorry. Don't, don't use your intellect. Use the scripture. The scriptures that I just gave you, let it back you up. I'm not trying to tell you guys, go out and give you all your money to the homeless. What I'm trying to say is, pay attention to this voice that you have. There's a voice you can tune into. And how do you know the voice is right? Because you've been in your word and you've been in fellowship with others and you're not eating off the plate of the world. You're not bombarded with porn and polluted. Your mind's not polluted. What you're doing is you're taking in the things that are going to make you be able to see the light. And the light will come on and you'll be full of light. Right? If your eye is pure, your whole body will be filled with light. Bless the Lord. Bless God. I would imagine, look, if it was up to me, if I was an angel, knowing my attitude, my character, I know how I am. I'd probably be at your door all the time just nagging you, just smelling. I'd love it. I'd be all smelly. <laughs> Before you come out the front door, you'd smell. Smell me, right? <laughs> because I might, with, you know, that's just me, right? But I'd have to, of course, do what's in the confines of, of what the Lord says. But I'd just keep coming back, you know. So, uh, yeah. Because, you know, I got, I'm still broken and crazy. But I'm getting better. So the demon masquerading as an angel of light is here to destroy us. We love his look, his lie, and we place our hope in his promises. That God wants us to be happy and to enjoy our best life now. Right? Enjoy your best life now. You've all heard that. That's an insult. I mean, consider that. Here's somebody promising you your best life can be here and now. When God is promising us eternity, all right, that's an insult and it's offensive. So, and this is what prosperity ministers do. They dress up as an angel of light. It doesn't necessarily mean they're dressed up any particular way, but they're speaking the language that's going to incline our hearts because we haven't dealt with greed or the desire to be rich or the desire to be famous or all these desires that Satan presented to Jesus in the wilderness, right? We haven't dealt with those things. We think that it's common and ordinary and, and should be sought after. 
We should seek after fame and fortune. We should find those things here. We should get our lot in life. We should get it. Look, love to see you with it. Get it. Get yours today. Seize your opportunity. Um, what's the, that girl? Yeah, y'all remember? You're gonna make it after all. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. Go for all those shows in the 70s were all about get out there, girl. You can do it. You know, da 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 da. Yeah, right? And then Microsoft and all Adidas and everybody everywhere is telling you go. Be what you can be. Right? Have your best life now. Right? Look, he could be wearing dungarees for all I care. That's an angel masquerading as an angel of light. Right? It's not necessarily the clothes. It's the message. If that message coincides with the message and desires of your own heart, you're being lured. Bless the Lord. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So what is light? A biblical definition of light is as follows. Light is defined as life. L-I-F-E. As seen in John 1-4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In John, darkness is present in the absence of light, the absence of eternal life, the darkness referring to death spiritually. Those who walk in darkness do not have eternal life because they are unknown to God. Bless the Lord. John eight twelve says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, here's a little botany, okay, study. All plants are pointing or heading for or inclined toward the light. All the plants, right? They know they need light. You don't have to tell them. So they, they continue to, to, um, you know, to, to, you know, to point to, toward the light. And... Uh, <laughs> So it is with the believer. Something in us knows life is in this light, right? It's kind of like the unbeliever hides from the light and therefore brings death upon himself as a result of dying only to finally die forever. We're what you call phototropic. We once turned from the light but now we've accepted the fact that God is drawing us back into the light. We've come to realize light is the substance of life. We tried to live in darkness, but God called us out. We realized we really didn't belong there. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Truth is a person, okay? Not a concept. 
This means that we can never know the truth of our circumstances unless we first heard from Jesus. When Jesus spoke to the disciples, they saw the real truth of their situation. Jesus had power over nature. We don't know what to do until we've heard from Jesus. Okay? We have to keep our hearts and minds clear in order to hear from him. Once we get his word in our hearts, it dispels the darkness. The truth is right in our faces while we operate in our default modes. We can make a wise choice. We can go to the ball game rather than to the strip club. We can, yeah, we want to cut the porn out of our lives. So now we're going to go to the ball game. I've made a decision. I'm not going to go to strip club. I'm going to start going to see the Giants and the A's, okay? And we're okay until halftime comes, and then the cheerleaders come ringing a bell. We didn't expect, you know, we didn't expect that we would need to distance ourselves, or right? This wasn't in the plan. I didn't think about it, right? We need to walk out that door with a plan, and that plan needs to come from him. We should consult the Lord. It's easy to do. I mean, first of all, pray and ask the Lord. You may not hear what you want to hear, but you're going to hear what's best for you. Right? So you can really ask because he's going to respond. Otherwise, you're going to go and you're going to have a cheerleader and cheer fella for you ladies. That, 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 oh, we're on this on the horizon if it's not there already. Right? And, and just take your mind away. You wanted to come to the ball game. Because you wanted to get away from something, but you did it in your own strength. You decided you were independent and strong enough. And for most of us, that we're, we've been there, done that. Right? Now you can't even order your hot dog and your stuff. Your mind is so convoluted with, it's, you know, discombobulated. You can't even walk by. Now every lady, you're wondering, are you like the cheerleader? You turned into a monster. The monster was in you already. You just came to the ballpark and got it activated. It's like the ghost you thought was waiting for you. It came with you. Bless the Lord. It came with you. You, look, we harbor inside of us darkness. Jesus said, Jesus said, hey, um, the enemy comes, but there's no, um, but he has nothing in me. In other words, Jesus is saying that Satan is coming. He has nothing in him. But that's not the case for us. So we need to walk with Jesus. Right? Because we have stuff in us that's still unsettled. It's not reconciled. It's still undone. The way she treated me growing up or, or he mistreated me and all these other things, that they tend to come out when the alcohol flows. Typically, usually to the wrong people. Right? Telling them off for paying you bore in your life or whatever. We have issues. So the world would tell you, hey, go see a therapist. They have issues. So you're going to see someone with issues that in a little while may take their own life like many therapists do. I'm not saying not to go. I'm saying go to anyone that's going to point you to that light on that back porch. Right? That's a friend of the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom points people to the bridegroom. Right? Now you can say you got this. 
I can't stop you from saying that. I don't. I need Jesus. This is where I'm at today, okay? I could get up here and tell you minimal stuff and stuff. No, I'm going to lay it out here, (laughs) right? So that you know you can lay it out there. Lay your stuff out. Be reverent. The Lord is holy. Be reverent. But get it out there. Get it out. Share it with your friends. This is the stuff that's going on. Pray for me. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you'll be healed. Right? Pray. Work it out. Because he's delivering us from strength to strength and glory to glory. He's working in us. He's going to finish this work that he started in us. But it's an ongoing work. We're not done. So don't listen to the Christians that are telling you, you know, know, you're the righteousness of Christ. You have no sin. Every man has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We have simple thoughts going on right now. If, If we turn to it like a train track, you can just turn to the left and see sin. Then wonder, how is it that I'm, I'm seeing these simple thoughts and we were praying? Because we're broken. So our, look, our admin, the admonition is to stay connected as much as possible, whenever possible. Stay connected to the light. Second Peter, 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Now notice in Genesis 1-3 introduces light before the sun and the moon are introduced. Let there be light. That's on the first day. On the fourth day, God goes down and says, and, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to distinguish between the day and the night right? Sun and moon, stars, all of these things. How is it that you say, let there be light, but there's no sun and moon and stars there, right? Okay, look, let there be light must mean let my word, my son, you get it? This is, this is, look, this is what we take away from this. Let there be light means let the truth, the life, and the way show up in this chaos, Tohu v'vohuv is what it's called in Hebrew. Darkness and chaotic mass all over the place. And God says, let there be light. You can't clean up your room without light. Right? And this madness needs, this madness that we're in right now because it's getting dark again. And I told you guys at one point, I think I told you, if I didn't tell you, somebody told you, or it came from somewhere. But darkness, and I'm, I'm coming to an understanding now that uh, the separated, and I'll talk about it, but separation of light, l- the literal meaning is separate light from light and darkness from darkness. And that's going to sound pretty strange until you hear me out. But there's a darkness that we recognize, and then there's a darkness that we can feel. Remember in Egypt, there was, the darkness was so thick, they could feel it. That's not normal darkness. Okay, so if in the beginning we had all of this tohu vavohu or chaos and matter everywhere, if in the and God said let there be light, that's a different light dealing with a different darkness. Light, nonetheless, you can see in it 
Because when you get to Revelation, the Lord is talking about the new Jerusalem that won't need the sun and the stars and the moon. But he'll be our everlasting light. So consider what I'm saying. If the sun and the moon weren't needed in the first, on the first day, they weren't needed. There was light, right? So when we get into Revelations, when we're going home in the city of the New Jerusalem, there will be no sun or moon in the New Jerusalem, in the city. Because God's light will be radiating in that city. That same light that he said, let there be light, we'll have that light again. This doesn't mean we won't have the sun and the moon and the stars. I got it right here. It just won't be in the city. It'll be on the earth, not in the city. We like the moon and the sun. We like everything God created. Bless the Lord. But the day is coming that we'll be walking in truth. Truth. Walking in truth. We've never known that. All we've had is people that believed a lie sharing their lie with us. I'm sorry. They meant well, but this is what they had to give. They were cursed. Their parents were cursed, and their parents' parents were cursed. So here's what I have for you. My cursed kind of a hopeful encouragement. (laughs) I mean, honest to goodness, you might frown on the mother setting her daughter up to go and strip. But that's all she has in a lot of cases. I'm trying to say this in a tactful way. It depends on your environment, and some environments are worse than others. When I went into the rehab, they said some are sicker than others. So this guy over here used to push 10 baskets up the street, right? I didn't push baskets, right? I, I didn't do it. That does that, but look, what does it mean? Am I any less to God? No. He loves me. I'm priceless to him, right? But some come in sicker than others. And some situations are sicker than others. Remember Sybil, all right? Some stuff we haven't endured, but we've endured some stuff. And our stuff is particular to each of us. And we don't harbor it because we're living a lie. If we keep it hidden, it's like fungi. It grows in darkness. Fungus grows in the dark rapidly. So we're as sick as our secrets. So get somebody that believes in God and tell them your stuff. Right? This is what you want to do. You get friends that believe, that will pray with you and for you and divulge to you so that you can pray. Reciprocation is what we're talking about here. And the light will come on. That's how we, look, this is how we walk in the light. Bless the Lord. So now I'm going to pray. 